You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us. It was a very foodie show today. We had superstar chef Ruth Othman in the studio. We were meeting for the man behind Frio, sparkling water. That is changing up the city. Speaking of which, cutlery that doesn't end up in landfill. Uh, we had the founder of Parmade, Courtney Brand, in the studio with all the latest food news and talking where to go on a first date and meeting restaurateur of the year, fine dining category. And Charlie Mahendra live on the line. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We love having chefs in the, in the, I was going to say in the kitchen, in the studio, um, because they're normally in the kitchen, especially on a Friday afternoon. And my goodness, what a man we have here this afternoon. Singaporean Reef Othman has taken Dubai's dining scene by storm over the last decade. I first came across him as the man at the helm of Zuma. Then he had a self-funded eatery, uh, Reef Kushiaki, um, which ranked in number 16 back in 2022 in the Middle East and North Africa's 50 best. He was voted as the winner of the Chef's Choice Award. And he doesn't stop. Latest openings are Ho Lee Cow, the 12-seater chef's table, Tarot, and Reef Dubai Hills. He also loves sneakers. So if you ever meet him, look down and check out his feed. How are you, chef? Very well. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Now, Thank you. We've got an amazing prize this afternoon with Spinney's. 500 dirhams to spend in store. We're asking everyone to get in touch and say, where did you go on your first date with your partner? Or where would you love to go? Where did you go first date with your wife? Oh, I'm back in Singapore. Uh, we, our first date will be in Hawker Centre. What did you eat? Um, what is that? Some Indian cuisine and some little bit of Malay cuisine. Nice. Uh, yeah, something simple. You can't yeah. win 500 dirhams because you're a friend of the show. But if I gave you 500 dirhams to spend in Spinney's, what would you, superstar chef, spend that money on? Yeah, I will go to the mid section. I would say they have a very good uh, selection. Um, just name it. You got your tomahawk, you got your ribeye, you got your fillet, you got your lamb chops. You know, just name it, you got everything, right? The protein. So, yeah, exactly. The protein. Bang right. on. Tell us a little bit about, and we haven't got much time, unfortunately, but I'd love for anyone who's not familiar with your story, a little bit about your journey to where you are now. What do we need to know about you growing up to understand the drive that you have in 2023? Oh, well, I guess um, always say uh, passion in what you're doing, I would say. Um, uh, I don't come in a um, silver spoon family. Uh, I hustle all the way. Um, uh, my mom, uh, what is that? A uh, divorce, so taking care of me and my sister. So yeah, I learned how to hustle. I think at the end of the day, uh, work hard, and then a uh, to be where I am now today. I feel very proud. You know, it's always like you know that on my shoulder. Well, Reef, well done. You know what I mean? So yeah, as we, as as a lot of people know, I don't sleep well. Uh, we, yeah. <laughs> we, were just, we were just talking about this off air. Yeah. You, you were saying that you know you're consulting a lot now, and that helps you get a lot of the ideas yes. you have out into the world. So, how many hours a night do you sleep, Chef? Um, used to be three, and now it's four, so which is good. Uh, yeah, it's ne- it's it's insane to me. But you're glowing. I mean, it's it's not doing you any harm at all, clearly. But you have you always had that creativity from the beginning? Yeah, I think so. Because whenever I shut my eyes, uh, there's always something in my head. So I need that to be written down. So when, when it's, it's been done and I'll just like continue work on it, you know what I mean? And that's where, uh, what is that, Tarot um, in Dubai Hills, the menu keep on changing every month. Even my chef can't can cope it. And, and holy cow, as you can see, you know, a cuisine that I never touched before, I never do before. And I think, I think with my travels, my inspire wherever I go and I eat, you know, just like, Rub up, you know. Just doesn't so stop. Non-stop. <laughs> but a lot of people, whether it's a you know a writer or a chef, have the opposite problem. It's like, yeah. where do you go for creativity? For yeah. you, it's like, where do you put those ideas? Which must be so exciting, but probably pretty tiring as well. So we've got three new openings basically in a really short time. Yeah. For anyone um, who's not familiar, let's. Well, first of all, we should say Holy Cow is spelt a little bit different to Holy Cow. It is H O E. L-E-E-K-O-W. Tell us a little bit about the DNA of that restaurant, Reef. Uh, well, I guess it's uh, unconventional um, Korean barbecue. Uh, we are not authentic. We're not traditional. But I take the uh, um, the flavors of Korean cuisine uh, where my travel is in US and also I've been to Seoul uh, just to keep a bit of uh, inspire. Uh, and I take into my take whereby in Dubai, uh, a lot of people, um, especially the Levant um, uh, community, they, they like flavors and food mm-hmm. and myself too, you know. Uh, and, and yeah, so I put a bit of my twist uh, on, on, on the cuisine. 
And what about Terro? Just 12 seats there, the chef's table. You mentioned the menu's changing every month? Every month, yeah, every month. Oh my goodness. What are some of the stand-up dishes so far and what are, what are people really enjoying? Uh, every month, everybody like amazed with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, with the menu team. So this one was the um, um, Japanese Wagyu. So the whole course uh, has been like a wow. Uh, so so yeah, it's like a lot of people coming back and say, Chef, please bring him this back, bring that dish back. You, you know? have so so many loyal regulars. Yes, so many I'm blessed. people. Yeah, thank you. And that's not luck. That's yeah. not. But you know, it's people who've really connected with you. You yeah. know, as a, as a as a as a person, and really you've. You've you've tapped into something really wonderful here, and we we talk a lot about big brands coming to Dubai, and, yeah. and I always think that's exciting. You know, if an of international course. chef is coming, or there's a name that we've. 100%. But for me, it's more exciting when it's kind of homegrown talent. How long have you been in the UAE now? Um, seventeen years now. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen those good old days, mm-hmm. and to see where we are now, I think of course Dubai is buzzing. You know, yeah, and yeah, and, and, our traffic report is yeah, a testament oof, to that. Crazy, like today. <laughs> oh my god, you know, picking up my kids. No yeah, way. But, but it's um, but it's so wonderful to to see how you've become so kind of woven into this food landscape and i feel like the chef community has changed a lot in that time as well you know yes. people are so much more supportive than they were yes. a few years ago and now we're getting recognized on that global scale when we look at things like 50 best and you know michelin and what, me on, yeah. Me on, yeah. yeah how what what impact have the awards had on on you and the business how do you feel about them uh what is that a uh, it's great uh, to be part of uh um, such a occlets but nevertheless a uh, my main focus is uh, to take care of our our own a uh, what is that a residence? Mm-hmm. I think they are the one uh, going to keep on coming back to your restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are here twenty four seven, and I think um, uh, like I also mentioned just now, I uh, I have a very good connection with my customer, so I think that's very important for me. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so to my mind, and it's not an absolute, but something that I've kind of noticed a lot is some of the most successful are people who have got boots on ground. It's not just a case of this is my name on the sign. It mm-hmm. is. Oh my goodness, he's here! Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, there she is in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, what's it like in terms of getting feedback? How how important is that to you to see customers' reaction to be having conversations with people? Uh, what is that? A, um, to listen to the um, uh, feedback is very important for me mm-hmm. uh, because I can just go back and and you know what? Let's refocus on certain things, and and that's where you know we are what we are today. You know, make it perfect, right? And and yeah, um, and now with me having five restaurants. Um, what is it? Even like uh, last weekend, you know, I was in Dawasul. Oh, chef, you're here. You know, like, oh, I feel good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just not easy because I have to run everywhere. So, but, but it's okay. You <laughs> That's know? all right. You've got good shoes. Yeah, yeah, Tell yeah, us yeah. about this sneaker. You, do you have a sneaker store? Yeah, yeah, we do. I, I do, yes. Okay. Yeah. Where did this love come from? Uh, um, well, I guess, you know, I, I love sneakers anyway. Uh, I love shoes. And uh, me and my partner was like, you know what, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, just for fun, you know. Please let's don't take this the wrong way. We often have chefs in the studio and I'm like, wow, you know, good looking guy. Or like, look how cool she's dressed. And I look down and go, those are the ugliest shoes I've ever seen. <laughs> chefs, really? chefs and shoes are not a normally aesthetic pleasing combination yeah, because they've got to be practical, right? Yes. What are you rocking today? What are you wearing? I'm wearing a Dior um, for my sneakers. Nice. So, yeah. Is there a holy grail sneaker that you would love to track down? Uh, nothing much. Do I get everything what I want? God, that's yeah, see, we're yeah. talking about future goals. We're talking yeah. about manifesting. That is, that is it. Get everything I want. Um, okay, let's talk food. We've only got a couple more minutes left, but I want to come back to food. Um, you're a family man. You've got five outlets now. You get four hours sleep a night. You do not stop. What are some of the things that you always have in your kitchen? Or the ingredients, the tech? What's things that you feel a little bit uh, about if you if um, they're not there? Uh, what is that? A, I think um, a knife is very important. You need to chop everything. I think pots and pans, and that's it. I'm not into gadget. You no. know, I don't believe in that. Have uh, you travelled the world to find the? Have you, you know, have you been shopping in Japan for your for your perfect knife? Yeah, or? of course, uh, definitely. You know, and even even um, what is that? I would buy a rice cooker in in Japan to bring back here. Do you know yeah. what? We, we, we bought a rice cooker about nine years ago for about 50 dirhams and it's still going strong. Ah, nice. Probably the best purchase we've made as a family in that nice. time. What, I bought, I bought a toaster you... as well in, in Seoul, you know what I mean? So yeah, random, why, you know what I mean? Why is your rice cooker so good from Japan? Uh, what is that? A, um, um, they, they can keep you for forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they keep the rice uh, perfect. I'm not saying that, you know, other brands are not good, but, you know, it's always unstable. 
but Japanese rice cooker has always been very like spot on. You what know? about ingredients? What do you like always have? Ingredients. In the house? I love chilies. Yeah, so I must have chilies and garlic, and that's it, and fresh herbs. Yeah. Now, now, if we are going to come to one or actually, do you know what? We'll, we'll use the whole the whole portfolio. What's the dish you're really excited about serving at the moment? Which one you like? I can't wait to to see people's reaction to um, this. Um, what is that? My duck ramen that I have in Reef. Yeah. Yeah, and of course in uh, in Holy Cow will be my uh, uh, love Reef. What's yeah. that? So it's a, um, a very thin slice of a Japanese wagyu. Uni caviar, and you know, we never go wrong, you know. So, so yeah. Um, we always ask chefs this question, and I'm particularly interested to get to get yours. If you could only eat one dish, last meal on earth, I'm going to send you to a desert island, and the food is awful. It's mm-hmm. not like a Tom Hanks castaway situation where you're <laughs> spear fishing. The food is gross. But before you go, Ruth Othman, I get to put together a dream meal for you. Starter, main, dessert. You could have any configuration. If you wanted three desserts, that's fine. It could be food from your childhood, food from your travels. What would you put together? Um, well, I guess uh, I will have my uh, spicy chicken in tomato gravy. Uh, we call it ayam masak mira in Singapore. And my mum, what is that? Uh, what is that? Teach my wife. So my wife knows how to cook it. Oh. So whenever I'm back from travel... Uh, to my mom, please cook my... What is my, it? That, yeah, yeah. So it's just into me. And this dish has only been made during the uh, Eid Festival that usually we, we do that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so it's been always been my favourite uh, dish. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a sweet tooth? Uh, I do though, but I want to cut down my sweet now. Why? Yeah, I don't know, but I just have to cut down a little bit. Are you still serving up your toilet paper cake? Oh, we stopped though. Aww. Yeah, I stopped. A that's lot of work sh- though. Yeah, that's a, yeah but it, yeah. my goodness, that was a moment that's in, epic, in right? time. It was. <laughs> that was one of those moments yeah. during the pandemic. I thought, thank yeah. goodness someone's having a sense of humour about yes, this. Yes, have to, you know, put a smile. Ruth, anyone who wants to visit you, your food, the team over the weekend, let's run it down. The five spots, where are we going? Let's start with the OG. Yep, definitely. Uh, Reef in uh, Dawasu. Then followed by, you know, if you're nearby downtown, Time Out Market. Yeah, it'll be good stuff. Uh, then, of course, uh, Dubai Hills. We're a new hub now. Uh, I think uh, still a lot of uh, customers saying to me that why are you not opening in the IOC or et cetera, et cetera. Because well, people wanted to license venue. Yeah, yeah I yeah. want to be a licensed venue. Plus, uh, I want to be near to the neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. that's where Davos is all about, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and Dubai Hills is not untapped market. So, and now you can see Dubai Hills is so beautiful, yes. you know. Yeah. Holy cow. Holy cow, yep, for sure. You have to go. Uh, a, a cuisine that uh, is still new in the market. Um, well, I guess, I mean, everyone needs to check it out. I think, I think you, you, it's fun. It's fun. And if you're looking for dinner with a difference, just 12 seats at Terra and the menu changing every single month. We've often, thank you so much. Where are you going to now? Uh, Tero. I mean, I'm going back to the kitchen. Of course got, he is. Yeah. <laughs> of course he is. Thank you so, so thank much. You. It's okay, an absolute have a pleasure. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. I always value chef's time, but especially on a Friday and especially a man who's got five places to be at any given time. Huge thank you there to Chef Ruth Othman. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are talking Spinneys now because they've replaced all of their in-store cutlery with something new, something exciting and something that's on a bit of a mission to keep cutlery out of landfill. Maybe you think it's just one fork but multiplied by millions and millions those plastic utensils are terrible for the environment some estimates put the number of individual plastic utensils wasted at about 40 billion per year in the u.s alone and after just one single use most of them are thrown out end up in our waterways and our landfills well on a mission to turn this around lemis al hashmi the founder of palm made cutlery is here she was selected one of the honorees of fast company's most creative people in business 2023 in the saving the planet category how are you this afternoon i'm good thank you helen for having me thank you um, i have one request which is to please do not go to my desk <laughs> and open the top drawer because it is the drawer of cutlery shame um but maybe we can change things tell us a little bit about where and when this story begins let me sure thank you Well, it it began around 2014, so it's been a long journey. Um, My co-founder, who's also my husband and partner in life, we were just walking around Jumeirah, and uh, I've probably passed by it thousands of times, but my eyes caught the fronds of the date palm leaves. So these leaves get trimmed um, once or twice a year to make room for harvesting the dates. 
And, you know, I wondered what happens to these leaves? You know, who takes them? Where do they go? And that kind of stayed with me. Um, then we had a trip abroad. Uh, we went to Florence and we saw the hand-making paper process. And it's, you know how when you're on a journey and you just feel like you're being led somewhere? Mm-hmm. Um, I started connecting the dots and my husband and I thought, hey, shall we try making paper at home? Now, we're not artists <laughs> or, you know, chemists. And this was completely, it shocked our family. But uh, we bought some machinery out of our uh, garage and we started making paper. What? Yes, I know. What, what was the plan back then? Was it yes. just like a fun hobby? Yes. It, no, it was, let's try and, and make, uh, repurpose something that's get, that gets wasted. We've always wanted to ha- do something meaningful, something that has impact. Mm-hmm. I have three kids. Um, I took a break from the corporate life and my mind was just about, tr- you know, trying to go somewhere a bit more meaningful, mm-hmm. something I could leave behind. So it started with with paper? Yes, it did. Okay. It did. And at the time, you know, it would replace plastic bags. Paper products, mm-hmm. you know, could go a very long way. Tell us about the qualities then of the date palm leaves that lend themselves to actually repurposing. Yes. So, so paper is made out of trees, right? So it, it was a very far-fetched idea and a lot of people shut us down because... The leaves of a date palm tree, this was never something that was thought of before. They do usually cut down trees to make paper. Uh, but the properties, you'd be surprised. I mean, our date palm trees, they're native trees. Uh, you in Dubai, you've you know benefited from its dates, from its shade. It's such a generous, beautiful, uh, giving tree. And yet again, it has helped us in creating, uh, in solving a global problem. So we tried shredding the leaves. Um, they dried once they're dried up. We tried shredding them and then blending them the way you would blend um, uh, wood to make paper, make like a pulp. So, almost. Yes, like a pulp. So we replicated the same process. And funny enough, paper was made and it was beautiful. It was like the old style, uh, rustic brown looking paper that wasn't that had like a rough surface. Mm-hmm. Now, paper making requires a lot of water and, and we live in the desert. And at the time we're like, OK, this is great. But how can we push this further? So um, we contacted some local universities. We spoke to professors, to students. And Helen, we wanted to keep it local. The tree was already, you know, these leaves are local. We wanted to find a solution here. And I'm so glad we stuck to our guns. Um, Ooh, and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just find it so fascinating to think that this is the origin and, and where it's ended up now it, it, is, you know, people having their lunch using utensils. We're going to talk next about how sure. we got to that point. Some sure. of the things that go with those date palm leaves to ultimately create something that could and actually currently is replacing plastic. What are our responsibilities as individuals next time we order our lunch? Joining us from Palmade, we've got Lamis Al-Hashmi. If you've got any questions for her, you're more than welcome to reach out. Um, we're going to be finding out about some of those properties and how to find them next. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Lamis Al-Hashmi is here today. She's co-founder of Palmade Cutlery. Spinneys has replaced all of the plastic cutlery in their in-house cafes with this creation made from a surprising source, date palm leaves from right here in the UAE. So what have you combined with this raw material to make it lend itself so well to being used as cutlery? Yeah, so after um, a few years of R&D... <laughs> a few years. Yes. Um, we, we came to um, the conclusion if by blending the date palm waste with some plant-based biopolymers, so they're extracts of sugarcane or soybean, okay. um, they act like a glue that binds the fibers of the date palm waste together. Then, oh, And then when it dries, it... Yes, yeah, so it works. Um, it kind of becomes like a, if you think of like a cake batter mm-hmm. or like a, a gluey material, and then it gets molded into the shape of what we've de- we decided to go for, which is cutlery. So uh, we have like an injection molding machine that molds it into that shape. We had yes. a question from Dom saying, could I put these in my compost? Yes. So it's certified biodegradable and compostable. If you were to put it in an industrial compost, it would take 90 days to compost. What about mine at home? So yours at home, we, we are still in the process of uh, figuring out the length of time. Uh, so we, I don't have an answer for the but, home compost. But I, but I could pop it in. You can pop it in. I'll, and I'll report back. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. 
yes. So what has response been like? It's been wonderful. I mean, we're also at this transitional phase where people are realizing that they need to make the switch. Mm -hmm. So I feel very fortunate that, you know, we've launched our product at the expo, which was a wonderful space for sustainability for where we could talk about palmate mm. and we're seeing that you know there is interest people are are slowly beginning to to think about they're playing their part and switching from plastic to biodegradable. Can I make a personal plea? Of course. Can you please speak to delivery companies because this is where yes. my my desk drawer of shame comes from because yes. I yes. often in fact I always whenever I see it toggle that little button that says I don't need coffee yes and I still get it I know um it's terrible and I know people are trying to be helpful I'm, I'm, I promise I don't mean to sound ungrateful but yes. it's just it just builds up yes so that would be my request yes. spinnies now next to delivery companies fingers crossed Helen we are trying and it, it boils down to economics unfortunately plastic is so unfairly cheap the impact that it has out there, no one accounts for that. And so they count every penny. Um, and this is the battle that we're facing. But mm. we're very hopeful. We're optimistic. And inshallah, soon you won't see them anymore so in your per- delivery bags. I just love the idea of how the potential for this, I guess. The minute knives, forks, spoons. What about the packaging that it comes in, by the way? Yes, yeah, so it's wrapped in craft paper. So there's absolutely no plastic. Even the glue that lines our craft paper is water-based. Wow. So I didn't know that the glue has plastic in it. Uh, so we, it is 100% compostable. The paper is recyclable. Um, there's no plastic in our product. Now, you need to get another another machine for other products. But what what yes. other things could you see this lending itself to? So, so we're very excited. We're soon going to launch straws. Uh, so that's our new product. And then anything that has a short life cycle mm-hmm. that would be used made of plastic that we could replace with biodegradable material. So you know. the minute, yeah, as I said, you're supplying into Spinney's. What yes. about um, if anyone's listening today, maybe they've got a restaurant or a food truck or yes. they have events that this would, would work for. Are you able to take, I don't know, commissions and orders and things like that? Yeah, you know, one of our first customers was Amar Hotels and they were pioneers in wanting to be uh, fully sustainable. The beautiful story with Amar, and, and it's like a lot of our partners because we look at people who've made the switch as our partners is they have lots of beautiful date palm leaves, uh, trees, sorry, in their communities and in their hotels. So we work together with them. And every time their landscaping team trims the leaves, we go collect it. And then it's a lovely story and it's part of the circular nature of our product. I love this. If anyone wants to contact you, what's the best way of getting in touch? So you could reach us on our website at uh, www.palmade.me. Um, and then we're on Instagram, Paul Made Bio Cutlery. I mean, we're we're here. She's we're here, but it's going to be everywhere. Yeah, fingers crossed. And the, if you want to go and check it out, it is in Spinney's Cafes now. If you want details, you can just send me the word palm. You can send me the palm tree emoji. Um, I will send you the link of message here saying there should be a tax on plastic cutlery to reduce its use by F and B. I think it's, I think it's something we need to be taking that seriously. And we have, of course, seen big strides when it comes to plastic bags. Yes, um, this could be. This could be the next one. Yes, Fingers I'm, firmly crossed. I'm optimistic. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Helen, Huge for having congratulations. me. congratulations. Thank you very much. Really excited to Thank give you. it a try and get rid of my drawer of shame. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank if you want you. details of Palmade, you can get in touch with me. As I said, 4001, you can use your ARN Play app. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well conversation now with Panchali Mahendra, the president of Atelier House Hospitality. They're an award-winning international restaurant advisory and operating company. 27 brands globally, including here in Dubai. You've got Marea, Eleven Woodfire. And last now, Panchali was crowned Cater at Middle East Restaurateur of the Year in the fine dining category. She's speaking to us from India. I think, can you tell exactly where you are, Panchali? Hello, Helen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am sitting... I am sitting in a city called Gurgaon that literally translates into, that means a village. And I'm in a very remote area where I have no technology, no service, but somehow I have found one spot to sit to. <laughs> Thank you. Please don't move. If we found the one, the one corner of the village where we've got some Wi-Fi. Thank you so, so much. Well, first things first. Congratulations. Restaurateur of the Year, fine dining category. Now, to anyone who has met you and is familiar with the brands, this comes as absolutely no surprise. Um, but tell us a little bit, how did you find out the uh, this news? Um, so, 
four in the morning in India time, my phone was buzzing and I thought one of my restaurants on fire. And I just woke up, you know, just dazzled. I was like, what is going on? And then I saw all this news and, and the congratulatory messages and I was overwhelmed. I wasn't expecting, to be honest with you. I didn't send my entourage for the, to collect the awards because we, like, we had no idea. So this is how I came to know at four in the morning. And I think uh, it's a huge, huge win for Atelier House Hospitality. And for, I think, for women in general, for all of us, I think, to be out there and, you know, pursue in a massively, you know, strong and male-dominated industry, mm-hmm. um, to put yourself out there and work hard, I think it's a huge win for everyone. What do you think the judges were looking for? What do we know about the criteria for the Cato Middle East Awards in this category in particular? I think it has to know. This was my first year of nomination. And every year, of course, I've prayed and I wish um, we won something. And I've won after four years. So I think what they look for is sustainability, um, a very periodic and a very organic growth mm-hmm. of how the company is year on year performing, how is their expansion plans, um, and you know how, how is the team growing. So I think it's all about uh, the strategy, the growth, and uh, the expansions. And I think this is what this year they realized with Atelier um, and, uh, and with me as Panjali that uh, well, we've been winning few awards internationally. We have put up, we have had to put uh, Dubai on, on the international map and the expansion of taking homegrown concepts like Mohalla to Saudi Arabia and, you know, um, expanding to India. I think all of these factors combined together had, you know, win the award last night. Now, I know this isn't like a very silly question, but we say restaurateur. What does that actually mean? Can you explain a little bit about some of your roles and responsibilities and if there is such a thing as a typical day in your world? I think, first of all, it's me. I think the cross between an entrepreneur who owns and operates a restaurant. So I think that's, that's the word of restaurant here. Um, and I, I think I have mentioned this before and I keep talking about it. There is not a single day that is the same. There is no routine. There's over 27 restaurants internationally and 11 restaurants um, in, in, in Middle East and India. I think you're doing everything different. It starts very early in the morning and ends at late at night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but this is what life is. Opening a restaurant right now every other week in a different uh, country is, 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 is what is going on. Um, can I ask you a little bit about what you are working on right now in this remote corner of a village near Delhi? What, what, why, why are you in India right now? Sure. So I just, just before I've come to here, I was in, in, in Dubai last week. We, we opened our uh, latest Korean restaurant called Bini, which is Korean and Southeast Asian. I went last night. And that was... <laughs> You were there last night. It was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, so Gimme is in. It's in. It's in my hood. It's in Jumeirah. So, and I love Korean food. I'd never had Korean food before I moved to Dubai, and it just ticks all of the boxes for me in terms of spice level, flavor profile. Like you know, it was, it was fantastic. Now I know staff and staff training is really really important to you. So I just want to give a public shout out to Isaac, who was our waiter last night. He was. So fun, so well informed, gave us some great recommendations. And I'm going to make everyone very hungry right now by telling you what we had to eat. Um, so we had, we had Korean fried chicken. So the, the, the kind of your take on KFC, but oh my goodness, so much better. Um, hibiscus uh, dim sum with shrimp that was this most beautiful, vibrant blue color. It was gorgeous. Uh, kimchi pancake. We had Isaac's recommendation of the beef rendang, which came with paratha and like an Asian slaw with apple, which was my kind of star dish. Um, we had a nasi gorang and then the desserts were amazing too. Chocolate mousse, lychee ice cream, mango. We had a, um, a cheesecake with yuzu. So it, it it blew me away. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you. you I, I'm, I'm glad you, you ate the right dishes and that music is <laughs> better. I'm so happy. <laughs> so, um, so it doesn't stop. stop. The, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. So that's what I was doing and I'm very proud of Guinea and, you know, Guinea is giving, giving us some love. And right now I'm in India because I just, before opening Guinea and Mahala and Sabi, I had launched a tutorial and a pizzeria in India called uh, Camelos. And I wasn't personally there to overlook a month back from back here to just set the place up. And, and you know, it has been sold out. There's a queue every day. So I'm here to just fix and get it running. And also looking at expanding my uh, home style that's called Solace 
in Dubai. We're looking at expanding it in India too. So I'm trying to, to manage it all right now. Well, thank you for making time for us today. Huge congratulations. I'm going to let you get back to what is always a busy day, Panchali. And when you come back to Dubai, give us a shout. Um, and I really hope that uh, this is the beginning of more and more and more awards because, my goodness, it's so deserved. Congratulations to you and the team. Um, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you thank so, you. so much. Panchali Mahendra. There, speaking to us, the the president of Atelier House Hospitality and last night crowned Catering Middle East Restaurateur of the Year in the fine dining category. It was Tom Arnell of Etex, another regular on the show who took the casual category. And we're finding out more everything from barista to chef later on. Courtney Brandt joining us after four as we talk about the latest food news. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Talking food and tech with Mohamed Al Fayed, now the CEO and co-founder of GrubTech. They are one of the UA's fastest-growing tech startups that helps cloud kitchens and restaurants manage those end-to-end operations using digital tools and capabilities for yes, our dining pleasures. I'd love to know from you what are some of your big bugbears when it comes to ordering food, getting food deliveries? Are you just like me? I'm just truly grateful to have food delivered to your home. Mohamed, how are you? I'm good, Helen. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Except I, I'm worried that you're going to lift the lid on on a system that I find kind of just beyond magical, that in 2023, I can pick up my phone and basically have any food that I crave delivered to my door. It is an amazing time to be alive. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely. Is. And I won't, I won't tell you about the Oompa Loompas behind good. the curtain. Good. Please, as long <laughs> as they're well treated. <laughs> That's fine. Absolutely. But it is interesting Absolutely. to think about how much this, is, this has changed, um, you know, in, in recent years. And I'm wondering if perhaps, you know, you've, you've got more than 20 years experience in tech and retail and, and e-commerce. And I wondered over these years, and especially recently, what are some of the most common complaints you hear from customers about that ordering delivery, even restaurants? What are the big bugbears in the UAE? Well, I think the first question that we hear time and time again, as customers and as tech providers and obviously hospitality experts, it's where's my food? You know, so it's just generally transparency as to is my food, is my order been received? Is it under prep? Is it with a rider? Is it five minutes away? Um, so I'd say that probably is the number one, and even in e-commerce, a number one question to our support has been, where's my order? Um, so that, I would say, is probably number one. And number two is making sure that you get what you ordered. You know, mm-hmm. you open the bag. You don't want the fries missing or the drink uh, missing or any special notes that you put on the order, whether like hold the cheese, add a little extra ketchup, um, that you're getting what you ordered, basically. I think that comes down to managing expectations. I don't mind if food's going to take longer than expected as long as that's communicated to me. And I think the, what your, your point there about not getting what you want, often we're hangry. You know, we are spoiled, hangry people who want what we want and it to be absolutely spot on. So tell us a little bit about then the other side, some of the frustrations from the restaurant side that you guys at GrubTech are, are kind of smoothing on the pain points. Where have the frictions been in the past? Well, honestly, tech adoption has always been challenging in the hospitality industry. Most of the um, legacy stacks, for lack of a better word, has been built in the 80s and 90s, and they've been designed for one channel. You walked into the restaurant, you sat on a table, you ordered your food, you ate and you left. Or you walked in and you grabbed your food and you took it on your way to home to, to eat it there. So as soon as they got flooded with marketplaces, Deliveroo, Talabat, Kareem, Noon, etc., etc., then they... The consumer wants to order on Instagram. The consumer wants to order on WhatsApp. The consumer wants to order um, off of a direct website or a kiosk in store. Those challenges created a tremendous amount of friction mm-hmm. that was solved with manpower. Mm-hmm. And, and restaurant businesses have razor-thin margins. To increase that load of cost structures uh, on their P&Ls simply was not manageable. So the workarounds that we've seen prior to our technologies being deployed in these restaurants were really baffling at some point. Uh, so I'd say that would probably be the number one frustration, just technical adoption of what has been accepted in other industries as table stakes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the pandemic, I think, affected this space hugely. And we've seen you know, massive tech adoption from you know, healthcare, restaurants, all the way through. But c- can you pinpoint any kind of significant advancements when it comes to food delivery that perhaps we're aware of as consumers or might be happening behind the scenes? Where do you feel like have been a couple of real game-changing moments? 
Well, I think, I mean, if I, you know, go back about 10 years, I'd say food aggregators that spoiled us for choice, mm -hmm. um, transparency on where our food is, had all of our information saved. You whipped out your phone, browsed the menu, app to basket, checkout, and you were somewhat guaranteed that you're going to get your food in about 40 minutes. And then, you know, if I take a, a recent snapshot, you no longer have to wave the waiter down to your table, uh, ask for the check, wait another 10 minutes when the check comes in, and then tell them, I'm going to pay with credit card. And then they go run back, get the credit card machine, you tap your phone and out the door. Today, for most of the restaurants that you see, there's typically a QR code on the edge of the table, scan that, pulls up what you've ordered. If you're happy, everything looks good, double tap, and out the door you go. So I would say, you know, everything between the start of the digitization of the industry with food aggregators going on to bringing technology into the dining sphere uh, to make our journeys a little bit more pleasant. Oh, we're keeping you with you because we've got messages coming in on this topic. How do you feel about those QR menus? Would you prefer more of a human touch? Let me know on 4001. Mohamed El Fayed with us today, CEO and co-founder of Grub Tech, talking food, talking tech, and keen to get your thoughts on this. What are some of your big bugbears when it comes to whether it's ordering in a, ordering in a restaurant or indeed online? Up next, I'm curious, what does Mohamed think about what the future holds? How will we be ordering our lunch in 10 years' time? You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Mr. Farmer, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I forgot how long we've been together. 10 years married, 13 years together since our first date. We're talking tech and food together now. Mohamed Al Fayed is the CEO and co founder of Grub Tech, tech startup that is helping cloud kitchens and restaurants manage those end to end operations. State-of-the-art digital tools, capabilities that us as diners might have absolutely no idea about. One thing we are very aware of, increasingly, Mohammed, are those QR code me uh, menus and how to pay. Um, Reese saying, hate the QR code menus. <laughs> I kind of do too, to be honest, because I'm then like zooming into my phone. I feel like... Uh, I like I like the human touch. How do we how do we balance that? Do you think moving forward, making sure we're getting good customer service, but as you said, making sure that the restaurant is able to look at their bottom line as well. Well, I, I think it's not an either or. I think it's an and. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a, a customers that prefer the human touch. They want to interact with the waiter, ask uh, or the waitress ask about today's special, uh, best-selling dish, and, and have that conversation. But some are either pressed for time or are looking at this experience purely from a functional perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, they either know what they want, they've been there before, they have the frequency and the loyalty to the brand, so they want to scan that QR code and place the order and the consumer behavior has ultimately been shaped by the food aggregators. And unfortunately, a lot of the QR code providers for these restaurants are basically scanned PDF menus. So that pinch and zoom and look closer and zoom out. And sometimes with no ordering capability makes for a really bad customer experience. Mm -hmm. But for the more modern ones, it behaves exactly the way a telebot screen would behave. You can, you know, browse up, browse down, add the modifiers, make a special note, boom, and you're out. And sometimes it's not the beginning part of the experience, i.e. the ordering. It's simply the checkout. So you interact with the waiter or the waitress and place your order, have that conversation, get the insights that you need and what you need uh, to order. And then when it's time to pay, it's probably the most inconvenient part of that journey. So scan the QR code, double check the, uh, the, or, uh, the order, add the tip. Apple Pay and out the door you go. Um, so I think you have to, as a restaurant, be able to offer the full gamut of touch points from mm -hmm. human touch uh, all the way down to the, you know, scan and go. And, and I think that's what makes the technology really, really powerful is the ability to, to what we call omni-channel uh, the experience. Do you feel like enough F&B businesses think about this tech and building that into the budget when they start up? Look, I, I don't know about the past, and I, I would say if I was to take a guess would be no, would be the short answer. But today, uh, ones that are, you know, with an eye to success must take in consideration what generation uh, millennials and Gen Zs, and, and now we're looking at Generation Alpha, which is going to be the largest purchasing generation in human history. And these guys grew up with iPads, iPhones, metaverses, Roblox, and the likes of. If you don't Take a look at how to interact with your restaurant today. You are going to be ill-prepared for tomorrow. And I don't think that's a great idea. Let's talk about tomorrow. What do you think the future holds? How will we be ordering our lunch, Mohammed, in 10 years' time? 
Okay, I've got a prophecy, right? And, and I usually get laughed out of rooms with investors and board meetings and all the rest. But here's my, here's my guess. I would guess that 50% of your audience, if not more, are wearing some sort of smartwatch. And that smartwatch is capturing an insane amount of data, from heart rate to blood pressure to even oxygen in the blood, how many calories, what their workout routine looks like over the course of them wearing that watch. Now, I see a world of connectivity where that watch and that data connects to food ordering platforms and potentially even bio data such as I'm diabetic or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to lose weight or I'm trying to gain weight. Yeah, or allergies, muscle. all that stuff. Allergies. Yep. And then ultimately be able to curate based on preferences, tastes, uh, genetic dispositions and caloric deficits or surpluses, what you should order from the couple of hundred restaurants within the vicinity that can deliver If you walk into the restaurant, I think you can just pull up the menu, either through a QR code or hopefully something a little bit more uh, nicer, NFC possibly, and it will, instead of showing you the optionality of 50 different dishes, zoom in on which is quote-unquote good for you. Because I'm a firm believer that food is ultimately medicine, and what we put in our bodies is absolutely essential uh, to maintain our health, not just for palate enjoyment. Mm, I hope there is an option to, to take off the health and say, you know what, it's Friday night. I just want to eat some chips and salsa. Give me a break, it's, smartwatch. It's a cheat day. <laughs> it's a cheat day toggle on the top right hand yes! corner. <laughs> Look at us. And chocolate will ensue. Look at us solving problems of the future. Mohammed, thank you so much. It's been really fascinating to hear what you guys have been working on at GrubTech. If anyone wants to find out more about you guys, what's the best way of getting in touch? And obviously anyone in the F&B space who wants to work with you, how do you suggest that? Look, I'm accessible. Find me on LinkedIn. www.corruptech.com is an alternative. We're on Instagram as well. Me and my team are always happy to help solve some of your problems. So please reach out. Thank you so much. Really, really fascinating. We've got superstar chef Ruth Othman in the studio next. I'm going to find out what's happening with him on the tech front in his many restaurants. Mohammed, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend ahead. Really, really fascinating to catch up. Take you care. Too. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Food writer extraordinaire on small screen and big screen. Courtney Brandt is here. Um, Courtney, we have got messages coming in for you wanting your expertise. If you're happy to help the good people of Dubai. I would be delighted to, absolutely. If you are in a bit of a foodie conundrum, you're looking for a place a cuisine, a specific dish, get in touch because we're going to come to this in a minute, Malcolm. Um, Malcolm's saying, I'm looking for a brunch venue for tomorrow, not a typical Dubai brunch, actual brunch at 11 a.m. Any ideas? We will, we'll be hooking you up in just a minute. But we've got some winners to announce. We what happened last do. night, Courtney? The Caterer Awards 2023, a major uh, you know, event on the food calendar for the Celebrates Restaurants uh, in Dubai. And just a lot of, it, it nominates people from barista all the way up. There are, it really is for everyone. It's a real industry yeah. award. You've got, you know, kitchen heroes. You've got, you know, people that, you know, as a diner, you might not, meet or get to even understand what the work they do all the way up to we just spoke to Panchali Mahendra there the um, recipient of the uh, restaurateur of the year in the fine dining category so it, it's it's an industry it is award. PRs in-house PRs Simon Ritchie he scored <laughs> he did, night. Yes. so can we talk about some of the big winners let's do it what what caught your attention so we were both fortunate enough to receive some wonderful pastry this week from a very, very talented chef. Um, This is Christophe Devois. Uh, He's the pastry chef at the Royal Atlantis. Now that I've seen his work, 100% I understand why he captured this award. So I've been off sick, she says in her croaky voice, for the last couple of days. And I don't know about you, but when I'm not very well, my my diet is like, I'm going to have... Lean in. I'm going to have warm tea. I had spaghetti hoops on toast with Classic. grated cheese on top and then I get a, a ding dong on the on the doorbell and it was the most beautiful delivery from a, exactly that um, Atlantis the Royal um, the they, Royal Tea Room the they Royal have. Tea Room Chef Christophe Dual. by the way what a name mm-hmm. uh, one Hotel Pastry Chef of the Year They've, they sent over 
four delicious kind of chocolate confections. The Milfoy with the vanilla was my That's, That was my, my I, I literally, I opened it and you got this smell of vanilla oh. and chocolate and caramel. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go straight for that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I was like, you are elevating my sick day diet, Chef Christoph. So well-deserved hotel pastry chef of the year. I also love, we love... Elias from Pinch, Pinch Gourmet. Gourmet. Yes. It's, you know what, to see, this is why I know. And, and knowing everybody was in one room last night and gets to celebrate together, it's so rare that everyone is in the same room. It was really, I, so Elias and the team at Pinch, I mean, I've hired them for catering my kids' birthday parties. His iftar in Ramadan is legendary. Exceptional. And I just, I love the idea of nice guys not finishing last year. He's one of the nicest guys in the industry. He looks after his team so, so well, always elevating, always, you know, taking such good care of people on the food front. So congratulations there on Catering Company of the Year. Yes. One room for one more? Yes. Okay. Let's, Let's say, um, you know, the the awards, of course, recognize independent outlets. Uh, there were two in different categories that I particularly like. The Artisan, um, actually, it was Chef Francesco for independent outlet chef. And then for independent restaurant team, Nightjar. Love and I, it. yeah, it's it's just, again, these are the kind of local concepts or, or people that have been in the industry for a long time. And you love to see it. Love to see it. And I think it's really nice to be shining the light on um, you know, young chef of the year, but also, you know, everything from what, you know, wait staff. Yeah, Jun's getting a shout out there yes. because this is what makes an experience to me. The food can be the most incredible thing, but if it's served by someone who hates their job or isn't trained well, or it, it, it completely ruins 100%. the whole experience. So absolutely massive kudos and to that everyone was, there. It is a great team. They are, and you see the retention. You go back and you see a waiter again and again, and they're having a good time and they're connecting with it. And I think that speaks to Chef Kelvin's team, his personality, and that whole kitchen. It's just a vibe when you go. There you go. Right. We are going to come to your question, Malcolm, right now. So when we think about best breakfasts in Dubai, Courtney Brand, mm-hmm. where's on your list? I am. Um, I don't go out a ton. I order in usually. For breakfast? Yes. Oh do you really? Goodness. Yes. Yes. I'm a, I'm a Friends Avenue like all day long. What, yeah. do you, what do you order? They have a wonderful breakfast board um, and I don't have to leave the house and it all comes in. Oh my goodness. If I'm leaving the house, though, I will give... Um, three shouts. Zin Cafe, uh, run by uh, Dahlia, and that's at Studio Republic and Fit Republic. It's got crepes. It's got eggs and everything. And, and it has san- it has tartine. It has open-faced sandwiches. Love 21 Grams. Uh, Stasha. Yes. Bib Gourmand. If you're looking for something unique, something special, something... You know, and you could go any time. Like, if you wake up savory, great. If you wake up, you want sweet, great. She's got you covered. And then finally, I'm going to do a throwback for my for my friends in Dubai who've been here a long time. Irish Village. Yes. <laughs> Full English, please. I love the sound of that. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of my recommendations. Um, I I would send you to, to Bungalow 34, okay. which is part of the Tasha's group. Fancy. Um, it is. It's, I think the weather this weekend might just be nice enough, Malcolm, but they've got beautiful on the beach. Stunning. It's a, it's a really gorgeous spot. They've got a three cheese souffle omelette. They've got lobster benedict, pastries, fresh fruit. So hopefully, let us know where you go. And if anyone else has a question for Courtney Brandt or indeed myself on the food front, if you're looking for a specific dish or, I don't know, maybe need some ideas and inspiration, you can get in touch with us on 4001. We're going to talk about first date venues next. Courtney won the first few through the door there at Jason Afton's new place, Row on 45. And Eugene, Eugene, I know nothing about this place. It's just opened. We're finding out more in just a few. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Courtney Brandt is in the studio. Um, we've just been talking about breakfast. Mary giving a shout out to Maison Mathis. Great shout, proper eggs, Benny type brunch. Um, we're talking first dates because someone we know is going on one tonight, um, which got us talking about what makes a great first date location. So this is for your chance to win a 500 dirham shopping spree in Spinney's. Tell me, where did you go on your first date with your beloved? Or if you are currently single, where would you like to go? Are you ready, Courtney, to hear some of these? I want to. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yes, please so, share. So, so sweet. Noreen went hiking, planned a sunrise hike where we saw... Everybody's so... I mean... I yeah. Know. Okay, Nadia's keeping it real. <laughs> My husband planned a lovely first date. Picked me up. I was sick in his car. He had to drive me straight home. <laughs> 
Love so, it first sight. So embarrassing. <laughs> We've been together 13 years, so I didn't scare him too much. Lenka, walk on the beach and burgers. My Mona went stargazing. Oh my goodness. You guys are awesome. And Boardwalk Dubai Creep says, Creek says, Essie, yes. That's where I got married, as it happens. So, Courtney Wright, what do you think makes a good first date location? Because it's a big shout. It is. I think you need some good vibes. And to start with that, I love Honeycomb Hi-Fi. I think it would be a very trendy, but not too. it's not pretentious. It's just a place where you can go and sit. The lighting's low. The music's amazing. There's people watching. I think it really would take the pressure off. It's also quite cool. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, if you know, you know, if you've walked in through the entrance, you'll know what I'm talking about. I, it has, to me, everything you need. And you can, it's not like you're going to eat a ton there. You have these little bites, kind of, you know, you don't have to commit to, like, a big meal. Yeah, yes. it can be one and done. <laughs> yes. uh, where did you and Mr. Wright go on your first date? We had, oh my gosh, and um, I was at uni- we were at university. There was a date auction for charity. What he? Yes, this I can't w- believe you've not heard this story. This wouldn't happen in twenty twenty three. Certainly would not. Sounds problematic yes. already. The auction never happened, but we decided that we would have gone out. And I went over to his apartment, and he made me dinner again. Risky move. Yes. Um, <laughs> feta shrimp and grits um it's a long term and then i and then i had bought like a special bakery dish that his roommate ate the next day and i proceeded to also uh dump a beverage all over his floor but we're married 20 years <laughs> and it's his birthday today <laughs> happy birthday mr right uh yeah my husband and i met we were ours was a blind date mm-hmm. and we went to ruth's chris steakhouse no longer there in the h hotel because he'd place. been told that it was reasonable <laughs> No, nope. it was not reasonable. But Those I big was chairs. You were just like sat in them. Yeah, yeah. And, like- he, and he, you'll kill me for saying this. He brought a copy of the magazine that I was writing for at the time. I know. Even though we'd exchanged photos, like I knew what he looked like and he knew I looked like. You know what? Like. Points. Points. From yeah. And they gave me um, the ladies menu. So I didn't actually know how expensive anything was. So I went in there blind trying to like be You're sensitive. Like, I'll have chicken. Yeah, that, <laughs> yes. That's kind of why I was yeah. doing this. This vegetable pasta sounds delicious at the steakhouse. Um, and then we went for drinks after. And then the second day he cooked for me. So oh, it's, it's a trend there. 13 years later. Here Aww, we go. My um, maybe we can offer up some more places yes. to go because this week you were one of the first through the door at Jason Atherton's new place, Row on 45. It mm-hmm. is, as the name suggests, 45th floor, 17 courses and how many seats? 20. And you're, you're, this is a very unique experience. Obviously, I'm, I get around in the fine dining space. So first of all, City Social, fantastic. That's on the floor below. By the way, if you haven't got brunch booked for tomorrow, it is an absolute yes. stellar brunch. One hundred percent. They, no one's standing up. It's a grown-up brunch. They bring food to your table. They wheel around incredible seafood, and um, perhaps you can carry the party on upstairs after if you prefer. It's seven tails. It's a great brunch. Yes. So we're above city Correct. social. We're in a, we go up in a special lift. The doors open. It's very dimly lit, and it's like you're walking into somebody's living room. And what they do here is, it, I like when a restaurant brings you into their space. You could have had a bad kareem ride you could have had a bad day at work but they're saying come into our place and you have the first part of the menu in that living room so you're really stepping into them and then to their space and then you walk into the kind of open kitchen very intimate dining room uh views over the marina and you will be treated to we debated this in our food group today with 16 or 17 courses uh there is one dish that's just called brioche and it has chicken fat butter and I dream of it still really (laughs) when chef was in the studio last week he was talking about how this is a culinary voyage and and really and I I think about this a lot about not peaking in your career in too soon in your 20s that's not interesting to me and Jason Nathan's been cooking now for more than 30 years and he was saying that this is the culmination of training of mentors of travel of working with Marco Pierre White and having to make soup for Weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Yeah. And he was talking about exactly that. This this is a bite. This is his experience on a plate. It is. There's another exceptional dish that I have to mention. It's called cheese and onion. Whatever you're picturing right now, just take it to a thousand percent more. It is, you think cheese and onion, and then you get the most, like just savory depth version of that that i yeah i also can't stop thinking about okay now here's here's a question Mm -hmm. i hear i hear 17 courses and i think my goodness i do not have trousers big enough for this experience 
nor do I have the time. So can you can you break it down? Yes. How full are we going to get? You're and how long get is it full. taking? You're going to get full and you're going to be there for a while. But I think when chefs like um, Chef Atherton, they're operating at the highest level, the highest global level. So you're kind of walking into their space and, and getting, like you said, a part of that huge expertise. So expect to spend three plus hours there and expect to spend uh, when it comes to the price points as well. You, for the weekend, you're off to Eugene, Eugene. Mm-hmm. Who is Eugene? Eugene, Eugene uh, is the latest by the Recast Group. It is in Mall of the Emirates. It's in the Kempinski. I know very little. I didn't, I've not done my research yet, but I, I see a beautiful conservatory, very green, very lush. Um, and I'm, I don't love Mall of the Emirates, so I want an excuse to go and okay. like it. Yeah. Will you report back? I, of course. Lastly... You've been teasing us with, if you're scared, eat bread. I mean, as if I need an excuse to eat bread, Courtney Brunt. What is the logic behind this? This is a Mexican tradition. And apparently there is a bolillo, bolillo, um, which is like a football shaped roll, which you're supposed to. It's got fluffy interior, crunchy, you know, crust. And so, of course, carbs can react and neutralize any acidity we might have in our stomach. So if we're feeling nervous, those carbohydrates will affect. And then also chewing distracts us, helps reduce our uh, agitation, and we regain power over our bodies again. So we should always have a bread roll in our handbag. That's what I'm hearing. I, I was like, of all the things I've read this week, I was like, yes. Finally, the science makes you, sense. You will know me by the trail of crumbs in my <laughs> yes. wake. Courtney Brand, for anyone that wants to be watching you on TV, reading your reviews, what's the best way of getting in touch? I have been active, but you can always find me on Instagram, underscore Courtney Brandt, underscore. Check that bio and you got all my links. There you go, guys. Wishing you all a wonderful foodie weekend. Come back and tell us about who Eugene was and what he was cooking. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Fantastic to have you with us and loving your messages on, oh my goodness, everything from where you had your first date with your partner to win 500 dirhams of spend at Spinneys and your Feel Good Friday as well. What has got you smiling today? Ryle saying, after my master's degree, I found a job. Congratulations. Um, it's great to have you with us today. And we love introducing you to the people behind the products with the chefs, the restaurateurs. And joined now by Rashid Al-Muller, the founder and CEO of Freer Sparkling Water, one of the Spinney's incubator winners and a product on our shelves soon. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. You're in my bad books because I was reading about your product and I was like, I hope he brings me a can. What? I, actually, I did the best part. It's in the, I forgot it in the car. <laughs> so it's nice and warm for me now. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll, I'll pop down. We'll grab it later. Tell us a little bit about, um, about you. Tell us about your journey to starting your own sparkling water company because it's quite, it's, it's quite left field. Sure. I'm, uh, I'm a health enthusiast. Um, I love beverages a lot. And I was looking for options back then. And it was limited. Like, I mean, the only, the only healthiest beverage that you could have is sparkling water or, or natural juice. And you'd add, let's say, for example, just a lemon. So I was looking at what, what can I do, what I can do um, to add, let's say, for example, flavor to this water. Um, so I booked a ticket. I went to the U.S. and I, and I stayed there and I went around and I looked at the groceries and I looked at the places. What do they have? I love supermarkets in other countries. Like my favorite thing, that and a pharmacy. I love going to the pharmacy in <laughs> the so States. Cool. They so, are, they're, they're so cool, yeah. A French pharmacy is like my happy place. But you get, because you get to see brands that you've literally never heard of before. And, you know, I feel like, as you say, bringing back some inspiration. So what did you spy that sparked this idea? I mean, I saw the trend over there and I've seen a lot of, let's say, beverages that are calorie-free, um, natural, 100% natural, um, none of the bad stuff, I mean, in general. And I was looking at, okay, what I can do. Um, in the beginning, I was thinking of, okay, can I have, a, let's say, for example, a recovery drink or, a, let's say, for example, a carbonated beverage with amino acids and multivitamins. Then I looked at it, okay, um, yes, I do love the beverage, but is it, can I touch many people or can I, let's say, for example, give that alternative to many people? Mm-hmm. I think that's really limited. So that's where I've seen, let's say, brands like LaCroix, um, Bubbly, etc. And I said, like, wow, what if we do this in the UAE and like have this great option out there on the shelves? Or let's say, for example, an option that people when while they are watching Netflix or while, while they are fishing or let's say, for example, um, while they're chilling, doing barbecue, having this. I mean, the beverage that they won't have any, let's say, for example, uh, they won't have any, let's say, for example, uh, 
um, worries about, let's say, for example, is that good for you or yeah. bad for you? So this is my thing. And this is where your challenge lies. Before the show every single day, I have a sparkling beverage, a, a, a diet soda, and it's become such a habit. But what I like is the bubbles. I don't necessarily, I, I don't take caffeine really and I don't even particularly like the taste but I like the idea of having something refreshing before the show yeah. and I don't know if this is only me or it's every or it's everyone but have you let's say for example grabbed the beverage or let's say for example and, and wondered like is it really safe and it's really yeah. good so that's what I really wanted to like you know deep dive into and so like, know that exactly what ingredients are in my product so, so this is like giving me the 100% confidence like oh when someone is asking me, is this safe? I mean, give it to your child. That's, I, I can give you like that, uh, that safety level. Tell us about the R&D. What, what, um, what kind of flavors did you try out that maybe didn't work and what's made it to the shelf of Spinney's? Okay, that's an amazing question. Um, do you know that it took us around nine months in the R&D phase where we were trying different flavors, but we stick to the five most common uh, the flavors that are successful and moving. However, we are planning even to introduce more flavors. Our current flavors, we do have one unique flavor that is completely new to the market, which is uh, coconut sparkling water. Ooh. It's it's one of our best sellers and one of the fastest moving sparkling waters we have at the moment. I spied a strawberry and a pink grapefruit as we, well. uh, we do have grapefruit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you, I don't know if you are reading our mind or something. We are planning to introduce pink grapefruit oh. soon. We do have normal grapefruit. So, were there any flavors that you were excited to try and you were like, actually, that just doesn't work? Um, there is flavors that we we want to introduce and we really love, um, like peach, mango. Um, we do love pineapple. Uh, pomegranate. The, these mm. these flavors we are working on developing them right now, and probably we're. I mean, we're we're planning maybe by by summer next year or even spring. Watch this space. Tell us a little bit about the incubator prize with Spinneys. How did you hear about it, and what was the process like, Rashid? Um, first of all, um, we were looking at. I were looking at different retailers. Uh, my experience. I mean, my experience with uh, Spinneys was completely different. I mean, I'd really encourage uh, people who are, let's say, for example, uh, product, uh, let's say, for example, whoever in the food and beverage, they have a product that they want to put it on shelves. Or, or even an idea. Uh, and even an idea. I mean, apply and try Spinney's. It really worked. And it re- they do really help. And what really impressed me about Spinney's is um, they, they, I mean, I went to different retailers. I don't want to mention names. Their concern was the rent. And then how much, let's say, for example, it was only commercial. Mm-hmm. Spinneys were looking at it from a really different perspective. What is the brand? What is the product? How good is it? Is? How does it fit into their, let's say, for example, strategy? So that was like completely mind-blowing to me. I was like, wow. And the process that they, they took, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm by the way, I'm, I'm a one of the Best customers of Spinney's. Like every every single morning, I'm, I am at Spinney's having breakfast with my friends. Oh, you really? So it's like a ritual. Like after workout, we go to uh, Spinney's, which, have a breakfast, which and we one? go uh, the Spinney's Kitchen in uh, Medan. Oh, so it's one I of love our. That brand. It's it's amazing. I mean, I, I do love. I, I every day have the omelet, and the staff knows us. And every day, like if I come if I come late and the guys leave. You're late today. Like, you know, the, the personal touch is there, even though like it's a, it's a big uh, kitchen. Um, so, so what I even loved about it is like their diligence. Like they looked at our product. Mm-hmm. Um, they came to our warehouse. They conducted audit. They looked at us. Um, they saw like how, how is this happening? What is that? So I really loved that. Like it, it, it gave me a lot of confidence as a consumer in the brand. Yeah. So, so that was one of the so best. So for anyone... I don't know if you could maybe lift the lid a little bit on on that process, because as I said, you can go to Spinney's, the incubator, with literally just, I have an idea for a product, or you can be an established company with a product who yeah. might need some marketing, some you know research, some business advice. What stage did you come in at, and how did it kind of unfold? I mean, we came out when we first started, like after a couple of months, we were looking at, okay, what is the options? How can we increase our point of sales? And our customers were really asking us and still asking us, and they're waiting for us to be on the shelf, are asking us, where are you selling? Where are you selling? Where where you guys are at? Um, So Spinney's really uh, eliminated or removed that hurdle from our side by, let's say, for example, by the, the incubator program. 
We have got joining us in the studio from Frio Sparkling Water, uh, Rashid al We've got a number of questions for you, sir. Um, Jennifer saying, from a local spring water hometown, bubbles still get me excited. And a message saying, the thing about soft drinks, is the fizzy drink affecting my teeth or kidneys? Is that something that you'd had concerns about when you were looking at kind of at the sodas? And very good question. Very good question. Um, carbonated waters are carbonated water. I mean, especially, I mean, I'm talking about my product is safe. The only thing is with a lot of consumption. So what happens is when you, ha- when you consume a lot of carbonated beverage, let's say, for example, the carbonation increases the inflammation in your body. Um, so I, I, I would really doubt this uh, because I think this is, would be someone who consumes more than seven cans, eight cans. There's some people actually do that. Uh, but over time, it will be bad for them. Like it will probably cause a little bit pain in their joints, et cetera. And inflammation gets, let's say, for example, if, you, if, you're, if you're an athlete or you do a lot of exercises, it will increase. If you have a pain and the inflammation will be more and the, it will cause more pain. Um, this is from what I know from my product. I don't know about the others, the sweeteners, et cetera. I mean. We, that's, a, that's another story we don't want to dig in on. We're keeping it clean with yeah. Frio. Um, so <laughs> last question. When and where can we get our hands on it through Spinney's? Do we, do we have a date when it's going to be on shelves? Um, we're hoping, I believe, by uh, 24th, but I'd say on the safe side. Next week at some point. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, huge congratulations. I mean, isn't that amazing to think where you have your breakfast, you're going to be seeing your product. Amazing. I'll be having it every day on the show, on the table. <laughs> you better I'll, I'll, for I'll it. force it on all of my friends. You guys are having this show. Okay. <laughs> Rashid Amala, thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you very much Sharing for having your enthusiasm. Us. If you want to find out more, have a look at the flavours, find out more about the brand. It is Frio Sparkling Water on Instagram and it will be on shelves very soon indeed. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.